The lesson for today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will, be, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase, increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. Um, if you are visiting with us, thank you for your presence this morning. I'm Mark Juliet, Missions Pastor. So uh, we welcome you very warmly, whether you're visiting or whether you're a regular here. Thank you uh, for making time to be here this morning. We are in a series called Get in the Game, and in this series, we're talking about getting in the game and, um, and serving was the first week, getting in the game and welcoming, and today we talk about getting in the way, game and giving. So you're here for a stewardship sermon. Yes! I can sense your excitement. This is an awesome passage we have today in such incredible wonderful encouragement um, from the scriptures. In this passage, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, which is a city in ancient Greece. And he's writing to them in this section of this letter about a, an offering, a collection that they are taking together for the believers, the saints in Jerusalem and for the church there. It was a church that was very poor, very impoverished, and so there was a lot of need there. And so the, Paul wanted to help meet that need of really the mother church, because the, the Christian movement started from Jerusalem and went out from there. But the other thing he was wanting to do is to connect those in other places and also the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, to the, the church there in Jerusalem, the Jewish uh, believers, and so he's doing kind of two things here, helping to meet their need, but helping to connect them together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And in this passage, Paul points to another group of believers as an example of generosity, the church in Macedonia. Now this is noteworthy because Corinth, which was in Greece, so they were Greeks, and the Macedonians were rivals of one another. And Paul points to a rival community, a rival people group, as an example of generosity. So that'd be like saying to a Bears fan, look at these Packers fans over here that are doing this awesome job of collecting. Isn't that wonderful? And just kind of, you know, giving that little competitive edge there between the two. And so that's uh, what Paul is creating, a little tension for a good cause. He writes, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, 
their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. We don't know exactly what the people in Macedonia were facing, but it was something, a very severe trial. And it was one where the community was facing difficulty, facing challenges. And they themselves had very few means. They themselves were impoverished. And yet, out of that state of not having much, they showed great generosity. My wife, Lori, and I were in Brazil during my internship, and I went to seminary there, and then we uh, did an internship in a place called Florianopolis. And while we were there, we got connected to uh, the work of a gentleman from a a neighboring congregation who had basically like a, a church school VBS program on Saturday mornings in a favela, in one of the impoverished neighborhoods. And he would gather together 20, 30, 40 kids. However member, member, uh, many uh, kids from that community would come and he would have uh, a program for them. They would do games together. They would sing songs together. They would have a lesson. He would have crafts for them. And then he would also, uh, he bought out of his own resources uh, a very substantial snack because he said this may be the only meal that some of these kids get today. And so he wanted to make sure that they had a substantial snack. This was a gentleman that worked in a trade, didn't make a lot of money, and yet out of his own resources felt called to do this program for these kids in this impoverished area. On the way back to the main church from where he held this program on one occasion, we were walking along and the kids are kind of around us and they're branching off and coming back together and kind of running around and then there, there, were, there were some kids walking in front of us and, and I'm talking to this gentleman and I just happened to notice out of the corner of my eye there was a younger child with an older boy, I think her brother, And the younger child didn't have any shoes on. Now, most Brazilians uh, would wear flip-flops, you know, like shower thongs, just very basic shoes. But that's what they would wear. I mean, it's always warm there, and and that was what they, they wore. And this child, though, was, didn't have any of those. She was barefoot. And we were walking along dirt, but then kind of, rock and gravel and broken concrete, and it was a very rough passage there for a while. And I happened to notice as we're walking along that the older boy slid his shoes off, his thongs, in front of the little girl who slipped into them, and then they kept walking. She now with his shoes on, him barefoot on the rocky, sharp ground. It was just a moment. But in that moment, I saw incredible generosity. Both this lay man who, who had this VBS program for kids in this impoverished neighborhood and that boy showed great generosity out of very few means. 
Or in the words of Paul as he talks about the Macedonian believers, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. This example and, and others that I have seen throughout my life, and perhaps you've witnessed things similar where somebody that maybe you didn't expect it from or somebody that it just kind of surprised you showed incredible generosity. Not out of a place of great abundance, but out of a place of very few means. Those kinds of things, when I see those, those, those kind of convict, convict me. They, they, they get to me at a place where I look at my life and I think about all that I've been blessed with and all that I have, and yet out of very little, these folks are showing such incredible generosity. And so this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and, and chapter 9 and chapter 8 kind of go together as Paul is talking here to the church, the people in Corinth, about giving, I think can enlighten us, can teach us a few things about giving generously. And so if, if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to just look at a few of the verses that are in there. The first thing, the first insight is that trust begets generosity, which leads to abundance. Trust in God lead, begets uh, generosity, which leads to abundance. And the, the converse is true as well. Fear begets stinginess, which leads to scarcity. Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. A number of years ago, we uh, as a congregation used a book, uh, studied this book called Generosity. And I've got, uh, there's a few copies, I think, yeah, there's still some left up there in the welcome booth if you'd like to pick up one of these. But I want to highlight one of the illustrations in that book comes from Whittier Area Community Church in Southern California. This community of faith had placed on their, the life of their congregation a vision to be a, a funder, a part of funding this hospital for orphans in a very poor country in Africa called Malawi. And they felt God had placed this upon their, the life of their congregation, and they felt called to that. And so they began to, to uh, want to, to publicize this. But then they found out what it was going to cost. And they had a little bit of sticker shock because they were going to take up a Christmas offering to help do this. And the Christmas offering, the largest one in the history of that congregation, had been $25,000. Not bad for uh, just one day, but $25,000. The cost for this hospital that they were going to help build was $160,000. They were in sticker shock. Nevertheless, they felt God was calling them to do this. And so they began to cast the vision. And they began to cast the vision within their congregation. And people caught on to it. 
kids would have lemonade stands to help raise money for the hospital. People in the congregation began to give generously. They would divert funds that they had saved up for something else in their lives, and they diverted it to this project. Others gave generously. Then this vision expanded out beyond the congregation. Other people in other communities of faith began to hear about it, and they joined in. Others even, in fact, that weren't part of a faith community, maybe weren't even believers, still they heard about the vision and they gave. Then came Christmas. And they took up their offering. And they added it to what had been collecting. They not only surpassed their most significant Christmas offering that they had ever had as a congregation, $25,000, they not only raised the needed $160,000 to build this hospital, they collected a half million dollars. The senior pastor was overwhelmed by this and noted all of the involvement, not just from within the congregation, but from others outside the congregation. And he joyfully declared Generosity is the new evangelism because so many people had heard about this, caught on to it, and then became part of the life of that community of faith. Now this congregation could have shrunk away from the vision that God had given them. They could have said it's not possible or it's too difficult. They could have sown sparingly. And they probably would have also reaped sparingly. But rather, they trusted God, and they sowed the vision generously, and they reaped generously because of it. And it blessed these orphans and the building of this hospital in Malawi. Some of our greatest moments as a congregation have been times where we have felt God calling us to something and where we have cast a vision and people have latched on to that. Whether it was something within the building to create uh, more space for other ministries or whether it was something to, to service uh, the people within this community of faith or to reach beyond into our area or to other parts of the world. When God has called us to a vision and we've cast that vision, people have caught on and given generously. But in between those times, we can become comfortable. We can kind of recoil and just go with the status quo. If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. But, and I'm talking to myself as much as anyone, I think God calls us to more. God has blessed us with such wonderful people, with compassionate hearts, and a means to make an impact. And so we have to continually ask the question, what is the vision that God is calling us to now? What are ways that we can be generous toward others? What are ways that we can be generous within God's kingdom to bless others, whether it's within this community of faith 
or outside of this in our area or in other parts of the world. How is God calling us to be generous with what God has blessed us with? The second thing that um, I want to draw out of this passage is that generosity flows from the heart. Paul writes, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This church in Macedonia is a perfect example of cheerful giving. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8-2, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. The, one of the, the, the Greek words within this passage is basically Paul is saying, they begged me for the opportunity to give. How often does that happen? How often is it that somebody begs you for an opportunity to give you something and to be generous? Think about the, the most generous people in your life. How do they approach their giving? They take it with sour faces and kind of reluctantly give over what they have? No! They, they want the opportunity to give. They ask for that opportunity. And when something is presented to them and they catch on to that vision, they joyfully join in that and then thank you for the opportunity. It's incredible. Generosity flows out of a joyful heart. And a joyful heart is one that trusts that God provides for their every need. That's the third thing I want to draw out of this. God supplies our needs. Paul writes, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Generosity begins with God. God's the first giver. We see that in the very first book, in the very first chapter of the Bible. God pouring out his creativity as he creates the, the world, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything that, is, that exists and puts trees and plants and water and all of the things that we have within this incredible creation. And then into that inserts life, teeming with life. And not only that, but provides through that creation so that that life may be sustained. God gives generously, pours out his life-giving spirit. In the creation story, we see that Adam and Eve lacked for nothing. The world as God created it provided for their every need. That's Genesis chapter 2. Then we have Genesis chapter 3. And that, that's where comes the fall, the sin. As we see Adam and Eve, as we see humanity break down, turn inward on themselves to go against what God would have for them, to want things for themselves, to become greedy, to turn in on themselves. And sin enters in, and things become much more 
difficult. There are people, as we know, in the world who um, lack the basic necessities, but there are people also right here in our own community. It's the reality of living in a broken world where sin, both individual and systemic, leads to suffering. However, God also provides a way. God has blessed us with incredible resources, an abundant creation. God has blessed us with intellect, with ideas, with vision, with passion, with purpose. God has placed upon hearts compassion and understanding and sympathy and joy. Some of you uh, have already, and some of you will um, today pack meals uh, through Feed the Need, uh, our local uh, community, as we get together and have this mobile pack. And how many of you have ever packed uh, Mana Pack before, whether it was at Feed the Need or at the other site? It's an incredible experience. This uh, Mana Pack came about through trial and error. A gentleman had his heart broken as he saw children suffering severe malnutrition in the Dominican Republic and wanted to do something about it. And so he tried various things, and he tried and he failed, and he tried and he failed. And then he got together with uh, some folks that they came together with this formula that would meet the nutritional needs of those who are most malnourished And then they came up with this idea to have volunteers do the packing to save on the cost of packing that and then distributed it to partners in various countries throughout the world. And so this manna pack that many of you have or will pack meets the needs of those who most desperately need it. And I want to let you know and thank you um, for your generosity because we made our financial goal of $10,000, uh, which uh, pays for 41,000 plus meals to feed hungry kids. So thank you for that. In two weeks, our kids, second through sixth grade, will be out here hosting a Hope Marketplace. Some of you experienced that last year. These kids, second through sixth grade, they create their own business. They have their table set up. They have the signs there. And they have things that you can eat or things that you can, decorative things or things that are useful. And incredibly gifted, incredibly uh, uh, creative things. And they'll be selling those out at this marketplace, which will then in turn raise money for our mission partner, Hope International, which works with entrepreneurs in some of the poorest areas around the world and invests in them, in their dreams, and helps them in their small businesses and in their schooling and other things so that they can in turn provide not only for themselves but their families and enrich their communities. God supplies us with our needs. He gives us intellect. He gives us passion. He gives us desire and opportunities to provide for the needs of others. Finally, generosity involves the whole of life. Paul writes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. When we think of giving and generosity, we may only think of the financial. 
And while the financial is important, if we limit ourselves to thinking that giving and generosity just deal with the financial, we miss out on the bigger picture of what it means to live a generous life. As we close, I want to share with you a video uh, that some filmmakers made and they followed a few different people in their lives um, for a few days as they, through small acts, whether it was in their home or in their community, showed generosity. Let's take a look at this.